Yes. Hello, hello. Welcome back. It is episode 15 of the Cinema Draft Podcast, where daily fantasy sports meets the movies. But instead of drafting athletes from teams, you're drafting actors from movies. And how their movies perform at the North American box office will earn you points for your call sheet of actors while competing against others for fun and prizes. But we'll get more into the gameplay later. I'm very proud and excited to introduce in her first feature-length podcast, the one, the only. You know her, you love her, probably more than I do. She birthed me. It is the Draft Mom. Welcome to my mother. Say hello, Draft Mom. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing, folks? <laughs> there she is. He couldn't even hear you over the applause, Mom. Couldn't you hear you over the applause? And I said so, hi. So how you, yes. How are you doing today? How, how's everything in your in your world? My world is fine. Everything is fine. Yes. Basically, I dragged her on. Uh, <laughs> I, I dragged her onto this podcast to help us out because uh, this this is going to be a very special podcast. A very special podcast. It touches near and dear to my heart as we get into it. And as you've seen, I'm sure on the title, this is going to be our Fences and Denzel Washington podcast. And we'll get to that in a second. But of course, oh, and uh, and of course, uh, for those of you who are long suffering viewers, uh, listeners, what have you, there will be no drinking game tonight. Because we don't want to be getting messy with mom, draft mom on, on the watch now, do we? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Moms, moms are going to mom. Okay, so my first segment, one of my favorite segments is what I'm watching. And since I've been home, great Pacific Northwest, hanging out with the draft mom, I've seen some, some stuff with mom. We've been doing our little Netflix. We've been seeing some movies. And we watched a movie last night called Barry. And I'm generally a sucker for historical fiction. This is a Netflix acquired show, a movie. I heard it was at some film festivals that got a lot of critical acclaim. And so I was very curious to check it out. It's ostensibly about Barack Obama back in 1981, early 80s, when he first came to Columbia, I think it was for law school um, or undergrad maybe, uh, from, from California uh, by way of Hawaii where he grew up. I uh, grew up in Hawaii and, and then went to Occidental for, I think, a year and then went out to Columbia, um, I believe, for either undergrad or law, for law school. There we go. And as you know, early 80s, New York City, uh, he's, doesn't, he's trying to find himself, all that, you know, like this stuff. And basically, as did my mother, who's falling asleep on this very podcast. But basically... Well, Actually, I think it was a little boring, to tell you the truth. I found it to be. Yeah, well, why did uh, you find it boring, Draft Mom? Because it was a little thin to me. Uh, there is no depth to the story. There is no highs or lows, as far as I could see. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, so-so. Okay. Yeah, I would have liked to see more conflict. Uh, not When I say conflict, I mean more, more um, drama, I guess. Even the dramatic uh, scenes were um, found wanting, I think. That's just no, that, my no, and then I'd say that's a pretty fair assessment, Mom. I mean, because it was yeah, – and, and I, this was a note I wrote for our rundown. Was like, it was like watching a guy stumble through you know, life and identity almost with no purpose, except that he's very self-aware that he has no purpose. <laughs> and that he fit in anywhere. His favorite line in this movie was, that's just not my scene. That's just not my scene. 
one thing that definitely is seen, and I don't know if this is just an exploitation of, of a very well-known, you know, uh, fact or it's not even so much a stereotype. It's not really a stereotype per se, but it's just a, it's just an expo a lazy exploitation of something that, that's very well-known about the president that he loves to play basketball. And as most athletes, you know, know, you know, athletics, for better or worse, are one of those fairly semi-neutral uh, proving grounds where you're fairly respected for you know your ability you know to to play. It's 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 probably as close to a meritocracy generally as we're going to see in society's sports. And so there's a lot of scenes. I mean, a lot of scenes. Did I say there's a lot of scenes, Mom? <laughs> they show this uh, this uh, uh, Barack Obama doppelganger, you know, playing basketball with his with his afro and yes, everything. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's it's. I mean, and and we get it. All right, it's the great equal. Hell, it brought you know me and uh, Jay Devlin and I together. That's how I met him. I met him on the basketball court, you know. So you have that to thank for for basketball but i just felt it was a bit of a trope kept going back to it almost as if that's like the only place he felt like he could be himself which you know can be true and false at the same time i don't know I, it, it was i did feel it was, felt, it was felt, the whole movie was felt wanting to a degree i do i as i said i think it, it lacked a little more drama i don't know that the actor himself was um really into the part i guess i could say oh hello draft mom like he was you? just going through lines um and and with no great emotion, I guess is what I would say. Okay, that's fair enough. And we lost you a little bit there, draft mom. So kind of lean in a little bit into your into your your mic or or your screen. We're not gonna we can't see you. Right. You've specifically requested not to be seen to the world. So so make sure you uh, <laughs> you lean in a little bit into your computer so we can hear you and hear all your pearls. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay now. Up, oh, you keep going in and out, Mom. I know, so do you. So I think we have a, just a, a slight issue here. Okay, that's better. I can hear you okay. better. All right, a little low, but you know, like I said, lean in. Uh, another okay. thing that we're watching, yeah, is, is Travelers. Uh, I actually just started this. It's another another Netflix show. This is actually a series. I believe it's the co-production with uh, the Canadians, and uh, basically it's about time travelers from the future coming back to inhabit the bodies of, as far as I can tell, current-day Seattleites. This thing, you know, sets it up so it looks like it was filmed in Seattle. We all know it's filmed in Vancouver. It's damn tax breaks, <laughs> but uh, it seems very interesting. It's like they came back from the future to, I guess, kind of save the future because, of course, the future's messed up. I mean, I don't know. We just selected a celebrity for president, so that might be too far off from the truth. But uh, it's got Eric McCormick from Will & Grace involved. He's uh, entertaining, got a dry wit to it, so it's not all serious doom and gloom sci-fi. But I thought, it was, I thought it got off to, a, to an intriguing start. It's a little, a little slow starting, but it, it keeps you involved. What do you think, Draft Mom? I think that you got a point there. Let it do, it does okay, that sounds always right. That's it. That's all. That's all there is to it. <laughs> <laughs> Care to expand, draft mom? Do you have anything? Anything to add? You don't have to. It's fine. We know you're shy. Uh not really. I think you pretty much summed it up. So, are we going to see some more? Are we going to? I think it's only eight episodes. Do we want to kind of bang it out before I take off, or what do you think? Oh, why not bang it out till you take off? All right, so we're going to bang out Travelers, and I might ha may have a more detailed report for you in next week's podcast. Well, actually, okay. let me back up a little bit. I think that Travelers is really very interesting, to tell you the truth. Uh, I um, 
I don't know how they pop in and out of the, the different, uh, I guess the different areas uh, of uh, like existence. people bodies. You know, yeah, yeah. It's um, I, I as I find it just a little bit distracting in that I don't know when they're going to come to present. I mean, they die and then they they next thing you know they're doing something live. <laughs> oh yeah, so they, that is a, that, that's a good point to bring up. Not, I mean, this is, really isn't. A spoiler per se. It's more like a, like a function of the world. And listeners, you know, of this podcast know that I'm very big on the rules. If you're going to set up this this fake world or whatever, you know, there need to be rules. Damn it. So this is actually um, this. They actually do a decent job because they they show you without exactly telling you too hard that mm. the rule is that when someone actually dies in real life, that that's the only time that the traveler can inhabit the body. So so you see these people at their times of death, and then all of a sudden they come back to life. You know. Yeah, you know, yeah. So yeah. that's when you know that they're being inhabited by a traveler. So that was actually really cool because at least we got rules. I wasn't that's why Doctor Strange drove me nuts. Is that you know what are the rules of this place? Same thing with the with Fantastic Beasts. Just give me some rules. So they give you the rules early on, and once you figure that out, I think you're pretty much good to go. Yeah, I suppose. Okay, guess it didn't impress the draft mom that much. Okay, <laughs> but here is the third thing and the primary thing that I that we were watching that I just fell in love with, and I'm just going to put all of my biases out on the table up front. Is a Pulitzer Prize winning canonical, iconical, or iconic <laughs> piece of theater that is probably almost every bit as important to the human experience in my eyes as is, say, the works of Shakespeare or, you know, the novels of, of you know, take your pick of author. It, it's, it's an amazing, you know, work. It's been kind of low-key great forever, especially in African-American theater circles, but it's finally got its just due. It's been made into a film. And, and to be honest, I mean, it plays like a play turned into a film, but there's just no denying, just no denying just the strength and the beauty and, and the complexity of August Wilson's prose. So basically, the movie Fences came out. It's, it's, in, it's part of the talent pool and everything in the cinema draft game. Stars Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. Both of them are Oscar winners. Uh, yeah, uh, Viola did win her Oscar, didn't she? Or she's been nominated for at least. Anyways. They both could and should win for this performance. It is amazing. It is outstanding. And and I've, I mean, it's it's funny how this movie in being brought to the theater just reminded me of just how much I really loved the story and 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 the the play because it's basically uh, I mean because I essentially got into acting drama school by using one of its monologues. The monologue that you see in all the advertising, the whole, you know, boy, I ain't got to like you. You know, that was one of my, my two or three monologues that I did, I believe. And I just always had a soft spot in my heart for this movie, or for this play, to see it translate into a movie and just, and you know, literally, he almost didn't even change the word. August Wilson's credited with the screenplay for this because he just took the entire play, transported into film, it's not very, it's not terribly cinematic, but just the truth and beauty of August Wilson's words, plus the strength of the performances of Denzel Washington and Violet Davis, has really shined through. And I truly enjoyed it. It was, it was probably one, one of the best Christmas Day movies that we've seen in a while. What do you think, Draft Mom? I, I happen to agree with that. Um, I uh, certainly could. I found myself reciting line for line of that because of the fact that you had it in high school, I think it was, 
And you kept repeating that whole scene uh, when he's talking to his son uh, over and over around the house. And when <laughs> it came on screen, I was mouthing the words. I, I can't believe I remember all of that. But I remember it was a while, and every day you would get up and you would practice those lines. And I would, you know, I, I got to know the play before I even saw it when at the rep. Because yeah, I think everything pretty much worked out, huh, Mom? Because now I have my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All our hard work paid off. <laughs> yes, it, it, Boy, it was got to great. Rock you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember all of that and the emotion you put into it. It was fun. Aside from that, though, I found it to be uh, uh, compelling, really. So, uh, so, who did, who, so who did it best, me or Denzel? You know, don't don't lie. Don't you know, don't don't cut him any favors, Mom. Don't cut, I know I'm your son, but just you know, objectively as objectively as you can, who did well, speech Troy Maxson better, me or Denzel? Well, I say it's a tie. How's that? How's that? <laughs> Thanks, Graf. Thanks, Graf, Mom. that you'll that you'll lie for me if I need to. That's that's awesome. That was a very good political answer, I think. <laughs> Wholly unnecessary, but I appreciate it. Look at that draft bomb. Just, just, uh, just lying for a boy. I appreciate it. Okay, so yeah, so and another thing about the fences, and because I was going to write a review about this, I still might because you know the written word does you know last out there sometimes. But I, I decided I was going to focus on it a little bit instead because I really was moved by it. I was I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it was very it was fun to 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 watch the reactions of people in the theater too because it because it was it was one of those type of movies where you know especially if you're of a certain age because I believe the play came out in like was it 93 or 83 it's been out for a while it's, it's not a new play and it's, it's one of 10 of the cycle plays which uh, August Wilson wrote he basically wrote a play set in each decade in in the 20th century and so and I believe I've seen them all and thank you mom ever since a very early age we had season tickets to the theater so that was very I mean for better or worse you know I pushed me down the actor path whether you knew it or not but uh thanks to thanks to those tickets to the Seattle Children's Theater and then the Seattle Repertory Theater uh we we did see uh, you know the bulk of August Wilson's plays there and then the ones I didn't see there I saw either at the Alliance Theater Atlanta or some other places well anyways Fences is one of the 10 cycle plays Denzel Washington has I believe a 10 picture deal to get all of them you know produced I'm not sure he's going to direct all of them I highly doubt that he will star in all of them I think he's just directing and starring in this one to kick them off and so it's very important that we all turn to the theater to witness this great you know piece of work because not, not, not just because this isn't on some some support black theater stuff this really is like a really good film and a really good time of the movies and and as i started to say it was very interesting to watch the reactions of the people around me especially some of the millennials you know who who hadn't really been exposed to august wilson in his heyday who hadn't you know who's this, this is their first time being exposed to fences and it's not a bad ex exposure because you've got like a top-notch cast michael t williamson also uh, plays the, the the mentally challenged brother uh, gabriel russell hornsby's in there you know as like the adult son of troy max and everything it's just a really well cast and really well acted and just watching some of the reactions at one point this young lady i mean because this movie is just this play is just you know gut punch after gut punch after gut punch of just, you know, emotion and things happening. And, and I mean, you do get a chance to breathe to an extent, to an extent but it's just, I mean, it's emotionally overwhelming, but in a fairly realistic way of what it's life, 
what it's like to have lived the black experience in America. And at one point, this young lady behind me, you know, she couldn't have been you know, more than 20, 25. And she's like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> and I can kind of feel her. How, how, how was your reaction to, to just kind of the emotional roller coaster of the film, Mom? Yeah. Well, I think it was a great, was just, it was just great. I would, I would, and I don't normally see things again, but I, I would see it again. I think. Oh, that's a huge yes. commitment too. Because this is a two and a half hour movie. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a small. They, they literally took the entire play and stuck yes. it into a movie. So you usually have like an intermission at a play or something, but not mm-hmm. straight, no breaks, yeah. no, no filler. That's fantastic. Ah, well, it has been draft mom approved. Excellent. Well, so so what are you watching, mom? Is there anything you were watching before I came home? Anything you're, you're watching that you'd like to recommend to the people? Uh, I can't think of anything more, more recent since I've been really kind of busy and a lot of my shows were pre, like uh, two or three weeks ago. Can't really bring it back, but I really, you know, and I get this remark from my friend always saying that trashy stuff, but I like to see um, um, the, Atlanta, the Atlanta Housewives. The real Housewives of Atlanta. Atlanta. I do like Twirl. that. Twirl. <laughs> I, like, I do like to see that. And um, of course, uh, as a documentary type thing, I, I, 60 Minutes is one of the ones that I tend to be faithful to watching. Um, okay. So I, I do like those. And I'm looking forward to exploring um, what is the one with the uh, uh, political show? What is the name of it now? Um, the, not the Real Time with Bill Maher or something? Oh, then there's another one of my favorite, Bill Maher. Oh, the, the, the circus, the one where they're following the election. Have you been saving those, or? I've been saving the ones that um, that that is the season is almost ending, and you told me that um, I should hurry up and watch it because. Oh, you're talking about the designated survivor. Yeah, that's a fun. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to picking up on those. Um, perhaps when you go back. We'll go back. Home. I get out of your hair. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Only a few more days. Only a few more days. Goodness gracious. Oh, okay. you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So, so what are y'all watching? Email us at podcast.cinemadraft at gmail.com and tell us what you're watching this holiday season. This is the time where pretty much the whole world powers down, sets up for the end of the year, Netflix binges, catches up on shows that have got stockpiling on their DVR. So mm-hmm. hit us up. Let us know what you're watching. Maybe we'll talk about it on next week's podcast. Now... On to, I was going to say our top five Denzel movies, but I was having an issue. I was having a problem. Now, for those of you who've known me, you know, since high school, whatever, I've always been longtime Denzel fan. Not Johnny Come Lately. He's always been my favorite actor. I, I At one point I had, and several of them were stacked up behind me. 
here in the attic <laughs> upstairs. Uh, I had collected at one point all of his films, but like three. I mean, I've fallen behind on some, and they're all on DVD, and who does DVD anymore? But uh, I've seen all his films. Uh, I've you know loved his work for a long time. I have his autobiography, or actually, I've got his biography. He's never had an autobiography. I've had his unauthorized biography, which I read in, in, in a freshman year in college, and just a lot of stuff. I'm really huge, huge uh, Denzelit as the podcast listeners and devotees of the Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time period podcast would call ourselves. I am a Denzelit. Big shouts to Denzelit. I might tag y'all on Twitter, get y'all to listen to this podcast possibly, give you love, show you love and support. And I would rate and in the tradition of that show, and in the tradition of this show, we like to do top five lists, sometimes top three lists. We have multiple people here, and I try to cajole my mom into doing a top five list, but she refused. She wouldn't. She just no, I've got news for you. I have two that I really, really like of all times. Oh, okay. Well, well there. So normally, normally we do a, a draft, but uh, I would just kind of dominate this thing, and that's not fair. So we will let the lady go first and and uh, and tell us what her her top uh, Denzel films are, and then I'm going to launch into mine. I mean, I have five plus an extra five because you just can't lower you can't, you can't limit it to five. You just can't. You just can't. At least not when you're a, a Denzel devotee like myself. Not when you're Den, when you're a Denzel like myself. So so go ahead, mom. Tell us what the Draft Mom top Denzel movies are and why. Uh, just, just right off the top of my head, I only have two. And um, <laughs> Eli has got to be the greatest. The Book of Eli. And yes. I think I know why, but please tell. Why is The Book of Eli your favorite Denzel movie? Well, I think you think you know why. I just thought it was, he was just great in that role, something, and, and so authentic. Uh, and of course, it, course, because it is a religious kind of a film. There you go. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 ding. That he did so well, so well. I, I still remember it till today. So that means that it really must have impressed me. And uh, the other one is Malcolm X. His portrayal of Malcolm one. X has got to be the best ever. Because not only that, but I also have been familiar with Malcolm X since I lived in Harlem at the time. And Malcolm X used to be on his soapbox and, uh, you know. Oh, wait, wait a second. Wait, hold on, hold on, draft mom. So you're saying you've seen Malcolm X in the flesh on his soapbox doing his thing? Of course. Of course. Wait, what? We're, we're breaking news here, at least to the sun. This is, I, I had no idea you saw Malcolm X in the flesh. This is fascinating. Oh, yeah. It was always like on 125th Street, um, like on the, like on Saturdays when people are moving about. And he would, he, he was a fiery speaker. Not only that, but he was also on radio. So I just never missed his speech. I mean, being only about maybe, I don't, can't even remember, maybe 17, 18 years old, I thought it was really very fiery and very exciting. To hear the thing that he said, and a bit outrageous to tell you the truth, but oh, what made him so outrageous? Because he was spitting. Well, because he was talking, he was talking very um, strong language. In other words, he was always, uh, um, you know, anticipating the 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 plight of the black folks and how they how they were not in the mainstream of things, etc. Okay. And you know those kinds of things were still a little bit. Uh, so he was ahead of his time, is what you're saying. Yes, definitely, most definitely. And I was so sorry to hear when he got killed at, at the Audubon uh, ballroom because that's where he was killed. And it's a light that just kind of went out for that time. 
But yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the one part of the movie that I tend to like most people. Like I think W. Kamau Bell on his podcast the, with the Denzelets. I think that's also we all are almost in agreement. That's the t- that's the part of the film that we all kind of like to skip because we know what's coming. It sucks. It's yeah. sad. It's it's yeah. you know, filmed and shot you know uh, fairly beautifully and and I guess accurately. I'm not sure I wasn't there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just that's but uh, that's. But- really really fascinating that you i mean i knew you lived in new york at the time i didn't quite put the piece together that you could have actually met malcolm x or oh, saw yeah. him do his thing yeah that's amazing did you ever like well, meet him did you ever, like shake his hand or did he ever make eye contact with you or something i mean no, you're no, hot no, back no, in the day no, mom you're hot no <laughs> no no not quite like that i mean i'd be going about my my business and i would always stop for a minute and listen to the soapbox you know it basically was on a soapbox and, you've been uh, took, you've been had, you've been bamboozled, <laughs> led astray, bring the muck. <laughs> and Denzel captured a lot of his mannerisms and behavior. That's, that was just fabulous. Anyway, so those are my main two. Now, wow, this, this is, I, I'm, I'm almost speechless. This is probably making for a terrible podcast because I'm just here with my mouth open that, you know, <laughs> you live to be this, this old, you know, and never hear that my mom had heard Malcolm X in the flesh. That is very, very interesting and exciting. You know, let's give it up for the draft, mom. <laughs> Having lived a full life, I've lived a rich, full life, and we're going to get on to my top five plus five Tencel movies. And actually, so these are actually my top five, and I'll do them in, in I guess, descending order, I guess, from fifth to first. I mean, there's really not a bad egg here. Uh, number five, I would say, is Training Day. It's the one that, that won him his Oscar, a long overdue Oscar. We all know he should have won for Malcolm X. That nonsense with, you know, Scent of a Woman still burns me up to this day. Uh, Training Day, we all know Training Day, Alonzo the Cricket Cop, who, you know, takes Ethan Hawke under his wing and then basically tries to corrupt him throughout the day while... You know, wait, I'm not going to actually we need to recite all these plots. We all know Denzel's work. Denzel's the GOAT. De- Training Day, he won the Oscar. Long overdue. Uh, some people in the black community actually were rankled that, oh, he had to play a villain for him to win. No, I didn't think it's all that. It really was a charismatic performance, and if anything, he was long, long overdue. Training day number five. Do you remember training day, Mom? Uh, not too much. Okay, we'll keep it moving then. Uh, number four, you'll remember <laughs> this one, Fences. Yes, it is. Of so this is... <sighs> Okay, so this is a performance from Denzel, which is a little bit unlike one we've seen as far as the, it's a very physical performance. He gained weight for this role. He's, it's a very wide performance. He plays a garbage man in 1950s uh, Pittsburgh, and, and he's had, who's had, I mean, you want to talk about living a life. This guy has lived a life that basically spans, you know, the end of one era and into the beginning of another era, where from the days of sharecropping, which were at the outskirts of the end of slavery, to the era era of Jackie Robinson and quote-unquote progress, which is another, eh, I don't want to get into that, but you know, the progress of the Negro and advancing through society and and being being a person who's lived through all that through, through the backdrop mostly of sports he, you know this Troy Maxson guy was like a really good baseball player before you know negroes were allowed into you know the major leagues you know there's a lot of bitterness and resentment there and he, and so he's got like so he has you know one of those formerly athletic frames you know it, that's kind of you know it's been weighed down by life it's a very wide performance and, and there are lines in the in the script you know uh it, I, I keep saying the screenplay, but screenplay is a script from the from the the play. But there are lines in the play where he where 
they describe him as filling up the room. You know, Troy Max, just this big presence or whatever. And and Denzel, you know, to his credit for most of his career, has kept his weight pretty, you know, actor manageable. But he really did put on weight on this. And there's one scene, which I'm not going to give away, where you just look at him. And he's sitting there. And you're like, wow, I've never seen Denzel look so fat. <laughs> but it works. It's for the performance. What do you, what do you think of what do you think of his physicality in the in the in the role, Mom? Well, you know, I hadn't seen him in a long time, so I, I just assumed that he had gotten fat <laughs> or gained some weight. <clears throat> but you say that is not necessarily true. So, nah. Um, last we saw him, he was in the Magnificent Seven, and he's you know shooting I, guns. See, I, didn't, and... I didn't see that one, so I I couldn't tell from one to the next which one you know where he gained weight at. But I just thought of. I'd never seen him that that heavy, I should say. And not that he was fat, he just had gotten himself a little gut. Uh and you know, gray. A very strategically placed gut, I do agree. It was <laughs> <laughs> But no, but it fits the role and you know, and it's yeah. it's Denzel. He's gonna do what it takes for to to right. To, to complete a, to complete a role, I heard that uh, on on the the Denzel Washington podcast. I heard you know from from Spike Lee that for like a year he didn't eat pork, he didn't drink liquor to prepare to be like a a, a Muslim as oh. Malcolm X. I mean, he's just he's just that oh. devoted to his, to his oh. craft. So, oh. so him getting some weight, I'm sure that was some some happy method eating. <laughs> some method <acting. laughs> That's that's number four. Number three is Glory. Of course, that's the one that won him his first Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. I mean, we get so many things from this one. First of all, it's the first. It's the really. It's the first time that like a wider audience, wider and whiter <laughs> audience, was exposed to Denzel on Moss. I mean, it's just a star-making performance. You know, the whole the Denzel tier, just the pure charisma of of Trip. You know, the guy of <clears throat> the the I think he was an escaped slave who joined the Union Army. All that good stuff. I mean, it's just such a great star-making performance. He's outstanding in it. Glory's up there, number three. And oftentimes, I think sometimes either taken for granted or overlooked that this is the movie that really truly gave the world Denzel Washington. Mm. Uh, do you remember you remember Glory, right, Mom? <clears throat> yes, vaguely. It's been a while. Since yeah, but you, you remember out. you remember the, the part where he's getting, you know, whipped for stealing, you know, yes, stealing a pair yes. of shoes. And then yes. we see that the one single tear down his cheek. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Yes. We call yeah. it the Denzel tear. That's the Denzel tear. That's <laughs> That's yeah. good stuff. Uh, number two is Mo Better Blues, and and that, this is also, I think, uh, a favorite of an acquaintance of mine, Ava DuVernay. She was also on the Denzel Washington podcast, and she did the whole podcast on Mo Better Blues, and she and and, and she you know brought up a lot of good points on how it's just kind of it, it really was the first movie that really kind of sexualized Denzel. And you know, I'm I'm a straight man. I'm not you know look, checking for Denzel like that. But as far as uh, his <laughs> career goes, that was the type of movie that really you know. Uh, that, that really objectified him in the type of way as an actor you want to be objectified to get more roles, to get you know leading man roles, to get romantic lead roles, and we don't see a ton of romantic leading roles out of Denzel per se, but this is this is a pure romantic leading role, albeit a romantic role between a man and his trumpet. <laughs> Could not get in the way of his trumpet, but that was it was everything about that movie was so cool. The music, the colors, the look—it was just saturated with just primary colors, beautiful, gorgeous colors. The music was great. I mean, complicated relationships. I mean, just, and 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 as an artist, first and foremost, you know, I'm, 
you know, a lot of you probably know I wrote several books, whatever, still have that writing, you know, bug or gene in me. Thanks, mom. Uh, being obsessed with your art is a real thing. Um, and, and we try to, to live in the world, not let it get in the way of relationships and stuff. But this is really about a man who's obsessed with his work and just trying to fit in life around the edges. And I, I really could appreciate that movie. Yeah, that was good. And of course, Malcolm X. We already kind of covered it with, with the draft bomb for all the obvious reasons. I'm such a cliche. Everyone puts Malcolm X because it's just such a, a tour de force performance. But what can I say? I mean, Malcolm X is you know it's one of the greatest performances like ever in in like not even cinema in just like an acting history. Uh, my next five in no sort of order because I mean I really tried. I mean once I got through my first five, I was like, oh my god, I'm leaving off all this great stuff, stuff that is that can be found in anyone's top five. Uh, you know, uh, who, who's a Denzel lover. And of course, it's Crimson Tide, just, you know, Hackman and Denzel, mano y mano, just going at it was, was really exciting. And I saw that with you, Mom. We saw that, I think, uh, I want to say it was during like a winter break or something. I was, I was back home from college, I think. Mm. We saw that down at uh, South Center, the big theater, yeah. all those people. Do you remember that, that movie at all? Yeah, vaguely, I do. Yeah, the one where they're on the submarine and stuff, and and the USS Alabama, roll tide, and mm-hmm. and you know the nuclear. Well, we've seen a lot of movies together, Mom, so I don't expect you to, to remember them all. <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> also, Inside Man. Uh, that's also another one where where you see Denzel just kind of being you know being really cool and in charge, a, a fairly straightforward you know cops and robbers type situation. But you you, uh, you love seeing him just, just you know as they say on the on the the, the Denzel podcast, just full of his Denzelishness. Like you know, <laughs> if anyone else in that role, yeah, you know, the, just just a real full body Denzel performance where he just really dominates the screen, and he's you know one of the most interesting things you know in that movie of course and and i don't really think the movie does as well as it does without his leading man star power uh did you see inside man mom i don't remember that one too well but um i yeah I you, you probably you, i mean you you might have seen her if you did it's been a while it's back in 95 i think or maybe 98 i think back i there. did is that that was a bank robbery i mean he was yes a, yeah, okay oh yes that was excellent there you Excellent. go. The way they, mom approved. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a, a thriller to me. Yeah, it was. It was good thriller. Jodie Foster, Clive Owen, all yeah, that. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Chiwetel, Chiwetel, who I, who ever since I saw him in Dirty Pretty Things back in the '90s, I called you know the British Denzel, Baby Denzel, who's also very charismatic in his own right. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, he's the second lead in Doctor Strange. Um, he's been a lot of other stuff. He's, I think, he's been nominated for an Oscar here and there. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. probably some Golden Globes. Just an excellent actor, uh, British. Just really does good stuff. He's the closest living. Um, working actor that I that I can think of that reminds me of Denzel these days. He at least has the potential to be a Denzel. He's really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Twelve Years a Slave. That's the guy. He was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he got game. I mean, I'm, I love a good basketball movie. The, the basketball action. This was actually pretty decent. Um, the, mm-hmm. the legendary story about how in the climactic scene between between uh, Ray Allen who plays. Uh, you know, Denzel's son, Jesus Shuttlesworth, and and then uh, Denzel's character, you know, Jake Shuttlesworth, you know, this uh, convict who's been cast, who's been sent out into the world to get his son to to recruit his son to sign with, you know, some state college, whatever. Uh, the climactic scene on the page was, supposed, was written that 
Jesus beats Jake 15 to, to zero. But of course, Denzel being Denzel, who was once a, a JV point guard, I think, at Fordham University, he ain't going out like that. He scored, I think, the first four baskets. <laughs> Against Ray Allen, you know, a future Hall of Famer basketball player, and <laughs> Ray Allen's like, "What am I supposed to be doing? What, what's going on here?" Then so he asks, he has to play for real, and of course it turns into a rout, and he wins as per the script. But I just love, I just love that it's Denzel Washington. He goes off script. He goes off book. He's like, "I ain't going out 15 to 0. I'm just, I'm gonna get some buckets on on this young on this young buck. I'm gonna get some buckets on this." <laughs> Just to say that he did. So he got game. That's a great basketball movie. A highly, highly underrated movie is my next uh, of my next five. Deja Vu. Oh. Sci-fi. Is it Ridley Scott or Tony Scott? I think it might be Tony Scott. Sometimes I get my Scots confused. <clears throat> I think it was a Tony Scott. And Tony Scott actually was a directorial genius for Denzel. It was Tony? Oh, did you IMDb it? Good job, Mom. <laughs> Mom's on top of it, fact checking for the people. Yeah, it was, it was Tony Scott set in New Orleans. Uh, uh, once sci-fi, but once again, there are rules, and I can get behind these rules once they're kind of you know parceled out for us. And 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 it's our first real exposure to, to Paula Patton, aka the ex Mrs. Robin Thicke, and you know yeah. she's gorgeous, and 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 you can see how this guy in through his time travels kind of falls in love with her or whatever. But it's 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 a really under underrated sci-fi thriller that I really enjoyed. I, I truly enjoyed it. Do you remember seeing Deja Vu, Mom? Because I I owned it. It's probably upstairs here somewhere. Yeah, I'd probably have to go look at it again to get to get the flavor of what yeah, it was about. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's it's it, it seemed like one of the more I wouldn't say low rent Denzel films, but I mean a lot of stuff's in st- at stake in the film. But as far as like the way the movie was rolled out, you know, marketing wise or anything, I think it might have been dumped mm. in like a February of the year, or whatever. Like it wasn't really like a really heralded Denzel performance, but it I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's a good, it's a really good film. It's, well, it made, it made a good dollar at the box at the box office. How much did it, it make? It made one hundred eighty point six million. Uh, I'm sorry, you cut out hundred. How much million? Hundred. I said I, it, I said it made one hundred eighty point six million. I I don't think that's too shabby. Whoa! Was that all domestic or worldwide? That's well, that I don't know, but it was in two thousand six, and that a kind of money uh, for a film to be making at that time. I would say it's pretty doggone good. Hey, I must be getting old and remembering my facts wrong. Okay, all right. <laughs> no, and, and also, there's a really interesting chase in the middle of the movie where you're simultaneously seeing the past and the present in the chase, which I thought was really really uh-huh. innovative. And no one really talks about that. So deja vu. Check it out. All you I, I think I will do look look that again. Look up that again because I don't remember that part as you mentioned. Yeah, well, it, it's up here. I think it, I think we got the DVD or the Blu-ray, so we got it oh. for you, mom. Okay. <laughs> my Denzel collection, my analog Denzel collection. Uh, and the last of my next five would be Man on Fire. I mean, it, it's often mentioned on the Denzel podcast for good reason. It's it's become a bit of a cult classic as the years have gone by because it's just such an intense performance. I mean, you know, Denzel playing the the, the guardian of of a little girl who you know is eventually is kidnapped. You know, played by Dakota Fanning. You know, she's all grown up now, but you know, she's playing a precocious kid back then. I think it was 1998, somewhere around there. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, you know, Man on Fire. It's just it's just a guy who's out of f's to give. He's out. <laughs> no more f's to give. He's just out there, just burning the world down to get this little girl back. I mean, and 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 there's so many like cliches or tropes that it could have fallen into because there is there there is a a, a 
literary and film tradition or whatever, however, you know, wrongly in, in this country of, of the, the black person with no inner life who's out there just to serve, you know, you know, the, uh, the white people in his life. So, like, we call it the magical Negro. This guy doesn't have, doesn't, you know, doesn't love anybody. Doesn't have any, you know, inner life of his own. He's just there to serve the purposes of the white protagonist. Bagger Vance comes to mind. But anyways, <laughs> what makes this, you know, so much better than your you, your typical magical Negro movie? I mean, I wouldn't call this magical Negro movie at all because we do see the pain inside of what this character is. John Creasy is the name of the character. We do see the pain inside. Uh, th this guy, how he, we kind of get clues to how he ended up being, you know, a, a, a private security bodyguard for this rich couple in Mexico City, and then we kind of understand why, you know, when when the little girl's abducted, why he just snaps. He is, he's done. Like I said, out of F's to give, zero F's, and he just goes on a rampage, you know, to get this little girl back and to torture everyone who's in his way, and. And it's not just oh I must serve you know my 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 white and Latin masters. It's not, not even it has nothing to do with it. He really has a bond with this little girl. He's out you know to exact some justice, and he doesn't care if it costs him the lives of others or his very own life. And I I mean I can't even say it's underrated at this point because I think over time it's now become properly rated. Man on Fire, definitely check it out if you haven't checked it out. All you Denzel fans out there. Amen. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you've seen Man on Fire, have you, Mom? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I did. I wanted to, but I, somehow or other it slipped me, and I never got back to it. Well, they're upstairs. Maybe I'll bring the, the collection down for you after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they're all up here. All the good stuff, Mom. All the good stuff. Okay, so that okay. concludes our main topic. <clears throat> We're actually running a little bit over, so I'm going to try to speed through the rest of this podcast. But I just get I, I just get worked up about Denzel. That is that's my dude. I I love that guy. So, anyways, uh, what is Cinema Draft? Well, allow me to describe the game to you real briefly. It is the fantasy sports version of the movies. You draft ten actors who are assigned a dollar value salary. You have 100k in budget to try to draft all ten of your actors. You need ten, no more, no less. You must draft one actor from each of the three release types of movies. Wide release, 2,000 screens or more. Limited release, between 501 to 1,999 screens. Or platform release, small films, 500 screens or less. Now, headliners are two per movie. We get two of them, and their points are worth 40% more. So, for example, if Suicide Squad earns $100 million in a weekend, Margot Robbie will get 100 points, while Will Smith would get 140 points as a one-point-per-million wide release film. Uh, also, it, you get one point per 500,000 in limited release, and you get one point per 100,000 box office gross for your platform releases. It is free to play with over $300 in prizes this week. So come on, check out our beta. You know, it's a little wonky here and there. We're not optimized for mobile yet. Our apologies, but get to a laptop or a desktop computing machine and go ahead and, and uh, play the game. As I said, it's free to play, and you might could win a little bit of money. Uh, so we are going to get to <clears throat> what I call the shot list. And these are views you can use to pick the winning Cinema Draft call sheet. And we're going to give you a little sneak peek into how we set the game up. This is what we call the talent pool. I'm going to share my screen. There you go. And so basically the first, uh, the first actor I want to draw your attention to, this is what, we, what I call the A-list. And these are actors you'll definitely want on your call sheet. And I want to bring attention to to you know, everyone's favorite, our girl Scar, Scar Jo in 
this movie, little movie called Sing, which did oh I don't know fifty four million in the box office opening weekend over the Christmas holiday. I and I do believe we're gonna go check out Sing this weekend, aren't we, Mom? Yes, we are. That's right. <laughs> it's Park <laughs> Joe. It's fifteen. It is uh, fifteen thousand nine hundred. Uh, like I said, you have a hundred thousand in budget, so so she might take up a nice little chunk of your budget. But she is a headliner. It's a wide release, and I have a strategy this week. I will share it with you just to. Just to encourage, you know, to, to more people to follow behind me. I'm betting that Singh is actually going to top Rogue One this weekend. So I'm stacking this movie. I'm getting ScarJo. I'm getting Matthew McConaughey. I'm probably going to get some of the cheaper, you know, Singh voice actors like Jennifer Saunders and Taron Egerton. Uh, I'm getting, I'm going to get as much Singh as I possibly can because I think the savings you get from a Rogue One, which, as you can see, is priced up in the in the twenty five, twenty four thousand range. I think you you can make up the difference with that in in volume of actors you can stick onto your call sheet. So, and it is a wide release, so you get one point per million in box office. So, I, I think it's going to have a really strong second week, probably in the thirty to thirty five million dollar range. So, so get you some Singh. Uh, the other person on the shot list on the, on the A list, sorry. I would like to point out is Taraji P. Henson in Hidden Figures. Mm-hmm. And this is another movie that, I mean, there, there's so many movies this, this uh, weekend that I want to stack. I want to stack Hidden Figures because that movie's on only 25 screens, but mm-hmm. guess how much it did in box office of the weekend, Mom? Can you guess how much it did on box office this weekend? Uh, no. How much? Hidden Figures? <laughs> how much? It did... I know the answer to this, but I want to build suspense. It did... 838 thousand on 25 screens that is a whopping $33,000 per screen average which I think might be the highest average of the weekend wow. oh actually okay so it was it was the the third highest average that weekend up oh, and here is a Jay Devlin favorite friend of the podcast Jay Devlin uh, he he was really big on Patriots Day he went all in on Patriots Day and actually didn't do badly it did had the second highest uh, per screen average at thirty three thousand eight hundred and sixty six dollars per screen the problem was it's only on seven screens so that's, <laughs> so that's the difference between getting about you know two and a half fantasy points uh, for a Patriots Day per actor versus getting almost you know eight and a half for hidden figures it's on twenty five screens so. So basically, the third highest per screen average last week. I'm not sure if it's expanding or not. I don't believe it's expanding um, this weekend. But if it does, you know, definitely get on board with that. It's probably going to stay in the platform release category, and mm. you're going to want to get them. And and it's cheap too. I mean, look at it. the the price is is seven thousand for Taraji. She's a headliner. Sixty six hundred for Octavia Spencer, another headliner. And then everyone else is is you know just over six thousand. So definitely check out Hidden Figures. It's a platform release. Uh, and you can definitely stick multiple actors from that movie in your call sheet. Uh, co-starring is a, is the part of the shot list, which are some values you may want to look out for this weekend. may not be my number one values, but you might want to take a look at some of these actors. And one of whom I'm picking is Rooney Mara, a lion, also known as... Uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. I'm not sure if that franchise is coming back, but she is the co-star in the cheaper of the two headliners in Lion, which came out, la- I think, two weekends. Actually, it's been out for a few weeks, but it's ramped up to now where it was at the very precipice of going into limited release. Uh, it had 500 screens, so it was at the very top end of, ma- of platform release, uh, and it still did some, some, some good business. It did... 
what did it do? It did about uh, there it is. It did one. Oh wow, that's actually quite impressive. It did one point five million over that weekend on 500 screens so that might be a hidden gem right there you might want to check that out and see what you can see with lion because at just 6100 if it stays platform release that might be the hidden value play right there because if you're getting 1.5 million again next weekend and it's kind of hard to say what you might get but if you get like 1.1 million 1.2 million that's 11 or 12 fantasy points per actor from lion and it's dang, it's dang your dirt cheap. 6100 for a headliner is probably as cheap as what you're going to get this week. And Rooney Mara, I think Dev Patel, who's the lead of this movie, um, uh, one of those kind of touchy-feely holiday-type movies you want to have on your uh, in your mix of, of family movies. You know, a, a young Indian uh, guy trying to find his birth parents, traveling through India and what have you. He's only 6400 so check out Lion. It's a borderline must-play if it stays at the platform max of 500 screens. Uh, Diego Luna, you got, you know, got just like paying your taxes, you know, life, death, Rogue One. <laughs> you might want some exposure to Rogue One. It's still going to be on 4,157 screens. So Diego Luna is the cheaper than two headliners. If you're going to pay 24 grand for a movie for for an actor from a movie. You might as well go with Diego Luna, Rogue One. It's probably going to do 30 to 35 million. I still think Singh's going to eclipse it this weekend, but check out Diego Luna and Rogue One. And, and, and Mom, Draft Mom, you saw Rogue One while I was here. Didn't, yeah. didn't you? What did you think of that? Oh, very exciting. A lot of action. And those people that like a lot of action, that surely was the film to see. Well, you've been an OG in this game, and you were back when we were just purely off spreadsheets like the one that's on screen uh -huh. right now. So, so what do you think its prospects going into, I guess, it's in its second week, official week of release, it's essentially its third weekend. What, how do you feel are its prospects uh, going into this weekend? Do you think it, it has what it takes to 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 surpass uh, Sing or stay ahead of Sing, or do you think it's going to slightly drop into the number two slot? I think it's still... It, it... I think it's going to be a still ahead of Sing, um, only because it's a Star Wars type movie, you know, and it's it's the mystique that a lot of people I'm convinced uh, have that why they hold it in such high regards. Um, Sing I haven't seen yet, so I don't know, but I think also it's got a good chance because of the fact that it is an animated film, and they seem to do pretty good at the box office from time to time. Yes, animated yeah. films do very well at the box office because they tend to be four quadrant hits if they are written well enough so that both yeah. the adults yeah. are engaged and the kids are engaged. So, yes. yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Singh has to offer as well. And let me start wrapping this up, go a little faster because I'm supposed to go out and see La La Land with, yeah. uh, with a good friend of mine. So, looking forward to that. Uh, okay, uh, the cutting room floor is basically the area, part, part of the shot list where we say, skip these losers. And all collateral beauty, although I've yet to see this movie, I'm sl slightly intrigued, not sure if I want to pay for it or to pay full price, <clears throat> but I probably will go check it out just to see what people are sleeping on. But this is what happens, and I warned us all of this in a few podcasts ago with Jay Devlin. <clears throat> I warned us that this is what happens when you press too hard on the earnest button. I mean, when <laughs> you're just out here just nakedly gunning for my emotions, trying to make me feel a certain kind of way. No, don't do it. Stop, stop. I'm going to feel how I want to feel. Don't tell me how I'm supposed to feel. If I want to cry in a movie day, you ain't going to tell me I'm going to cry. It's, gonna, it's just going to happen. 
All right. So I think they're jamming that earnest, you know, sappy holiday feel. But now, yeah, I, I, I guess people just, you know, had better things to do or just openly rejected. I don't know. But this, this movie's too wide for its own good. It might actually drop into, I'm guessing it's going to drop down to limited release. And that's still going to be too <clears throat> too big of a, re- a release for it. Because uh, at, at one point per $500,000 in box office, the limited release category, release type, <clears throat> you know, you're not going to get what you what you want at a collateral beauty. So you want to skip this loop. And then also all Doctor Strange. <laughs> Hello, you still there? <laughs> it's min priced for it, pretty much. You know, <clears throat> it's been out for nine weeks. My goodness, it's probably going to be on around 200 screens, is my best estimate. So you want to skip Doctor Strange? It's had a good run, but we like to have 20 films for you guys to have enough variety to choose from and making your call sheets. And this is just a filler film. You know, it, it'll probably be gone next week. So it was fun while it lasted. Doctor Strange, don't let the door hit you, but the good Lord split you. <laughs> Okay, so our our over under this week, we're going to post a poll on our at play cinema draft Twitter account, and the over under this week will be uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Will it make forty five million or more? I will post the over under shortly after this podcast is uploaded, and you can you know, go to at play at play cinema draft on Twitter and let us know what you think. There is is forty five million too high or too low for uh, week three of Rogue One. Okay, so that is about going to do it. We have to bring this puppy in for landing because I got things to do. Where can you find Cinema Draft? Hopefully you've already found it at cinemadraft.co. That is cinemadraft.co. Sign up for the free beta. It is free to play, 100%. Uh, make your call sheets, interact with the fans. We also have all sorts of social media. We got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know, it's either at Play Cinema Draft or Cinema Draft. Uh, also, Medium is where our official corporate blog is. You know, that's at Cinema Draft. We even have a Pinterest, dang it. And feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcast programs. Of course, that is also free. Just search for Cinema Draft Podcast. Imagine that. We stay on brand here. And we are live with over $300 in prizes this weekend. Uh, the games are currently up. It's free to check out. You know, when you when you go sign up to for a game, you can uh, throw in a call sheet. It's easy to do. It's fun to do. Um, and we have over $300 in prizes, including $200 in the feature presentation. So go, go ahead, get in there, make a call sheet, show us what you got. Show us what you got. All right, and that is going to do it. Uh, I want to give big thanks to the person who put me on this earth, the Draft Mom. You're welcome, son. (laughs) I know you guys love her. I don't know why. She's just the person who gave us me. But uh, we, we love you, Mom. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. Hopefully you'll join us another time when I am not here in your home. And we are going to bring this in for a landing. Thanks, everybody. Make sure you get your call sheets in by 10 p.m. Pacific time Thursday night. Uh, the theater count lock, that is when we uh, we lock the, the amount of theaters for each release type. That happens at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday night. So if you already have a call sheet in there, make sure you go back and double check your call sheets to make sure you have a valid call sheet. And good luck to everybody this week. Get your share of the money of, th- of over $300 in prize pool. The results will be posted three 
uh, after 3.30 p.m. Pacific time on Monday. Happy holidays to all. Happy New Year. And thanks for listening.